episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and also Game Source. We thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. At least we now know what the Lakers are headed to as far as what's going on with the rest of their season. Because the NBA announced schedules for all of the teams that are still left that are going to Orlando. And there's some very interesting matchups. Not sure I'm liking it as far as what's going on and what I see. The challenge will be difficult for the Lakers, but we're going to be talking about that here in a sec. But here with me today is a good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing today at Lakerholics.net and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. It's the guy who runs it, the guy who's behind it all. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, thanks for stopping by once again. Hey, Gerald, how you doing? I'm looking forward to this podcast. It's uh, It looks like we're really going to see some basketball. I know there's a lot of a lot of naysayers who are thinking that we're uh, not going to be able to pull it off and that uh, that uh, it's going to fall prey to the coronavirus pandemic. But I'm pretty confident that things are going to go through. And, and I think I'm actually encouraged by the small number of people that were tested positive of the players, by the Players Association and the league owners coming together and, and all supporting Adam Silver's plan. I even saw Dr. Fauci came out and said that, boy, it looks like a plan that's really well put together and has as good a chance as anything to, to really give us a shot at seeing professional sports uh, in this climate of the pandemic. So I'm excited about the prospect of, of watching Laker games again, and we're almost like one month away from the first game. Well, so, I, uh, I'm excited against the Clippers. The NBA set the schedules out for the Lakers and the rest of the teams going forward in Orlando. And I'm telling you what right now, Tom, it's going to be something that's very interesting. Not exactly loving the way the NBA distributed these games because the Lakers were dealt with what is looking on paper as the third hardest schedule of the NBA teams. Not exactly liking that, but it is what it is. It's out there. And I'll give everybody the rundown right now. It starts off July 30th against the Clippers, August 1st against Toronto, August 3rd against the Jazz, August 5th against Oklahoma City. On August 6th, it's the Rockets, August 8th, it's the Pacers, August 10th, it's the Nuggets, and August 13th, it's at a time to be determined, but August 13th, it's at the Kings. Virtually all the games will either be on NBA TNT, ESPN, or it'll also be on the Lakers network as well. But <sighs> no one said this is going to be easy. I look at the Bucks schedule, which looks really cake, comparatively speaking, and the race for the overall top record, which was looking a lot better for the Lakers at the time of the coronavirus is now looking a little bit more difficult. But then again, the Lakers might just want to go ahead and win a couple games, just get the Western Conference top seed. We'll go from there because really there's no more home court advantage to worry about at this point. So you might just be worried about just going ahead and, again, winning the top spot in the West, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, the top spot in the West is probably going to be an opportunity to play the Pelicans. 
<laughs> well, that's something I also want to talk to you about as well. I mean, I'm not 100% sold on that because, yes, the Pelicans still have one of the easiest schedules. What's left over? I mean, they were having the easiest schedule, period, when it came to the rest of the season as the coronavirus hit. Their schedule still looks easier than virtually anyone else, but I'm not convinced 100% that they're going to go ahead and be that team the Lakers match up against as the eighth seed. I'm not discounting Portland, which will have almost full health coming back as far as the team is concerned. But a, but a tough schedule, a very tough schedule too. Very tough schedule, but they'll be very motivated. And some of these top teams... Again, because it's not a home court advantage that they have to be worried really about. It's just positioning that they're going to be looking into. Okay, we maybe match up better than this team, than this team. So maybe we will go ahead and, and lose a couple or maybe, maybe go ahead and win a couple more and try hard. Maybe not. I think there's going to be just worry about positioning against the teams you think you match up better against. That's what I think it's going to go ahead and do. It's not like you're playing for a home court or anything, so I think that's important. So a team like Portland could really take advantage of that and finish out the season strong. I'm not discounting them. I wouldn't even discount the Sacramento Kings, who are also t- uh, you know about who are also three and a half games back. So let's not discount them. Their schedule doesn't look that bad. They'll be facing off against the Pelicans at least twice, and they've got some other games that they can win so i'm not going to discount either portland or sacramento at this point i just think that you're giving it to new orleans a little bit too early well i I think that uh it almost seems to me that the entire construction of the 22 team play-in tournament was really designed with one purpose intent and that is to get zion williamson into the playoffs you know, you, you look at how they're doing it and all of the opportunities, which teams they've given and where they've drawn the lines and so forth, the way the schedule's turned out and such. And then to a certain extent, the league is doing everything they can to make sure that they get as much revenue as possible from this re- season restart. Nobody knows what it's going to be like when you hit to December um, and we're supposed to start the 2020-21 season. So a lot is riding on on the players being able to go out there and stay healthy, the league being able to make this bubble idea work uh, right in the heart of, you know, one of the states that has most new cases of, of coronavirus. So it's a challenge and, and, and one that is really critical to the, to the league surviving, I think. And we all know, and we've talked about it in the previous episodes, that the worst thing that can happen is if the league has to pull the plug on the season and doesn't have an opportunity to go out there and get the they finish the playoffs and, and take care of business and, and hit the 70 game plateau at least for 22 teams, 22 of the 30 teams. They don't do that. It, it's going to be really a heavy possibility that we're going to end up with the league calling force majeure and and closing, canceling the, voiding the CBA, um, and and then that throws everything into a into a traumatic situation that we don't want to see. Personally, what I find fascinating is is that when you you look at the twenty two games playoff schedule and forgetting what motivations might have been there to to really get Zion into the playoffs, when you eliminate 
eight teams being the Hornets, the Pistons, the Cavs, the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Bulls. And you knock those teams out of the schedule, and the Lakers had seven games, had several games against those guys. So all of a sudden, you consolidate the Lakers' schedule, so they're playing eight pretty tough games, you know. And a lot of the teams are are finding that you know when you drop off the bottom eight teams, all of a sudden the competitiveness of every one of these games, every one of the eight games that each of these teams is going to play to finish off the the twenty uh, 2019-20 regular season are going to be much more attractive games than you would have had if they'd gone ahead and finished out the season. And I think that that is going to be a very important factor in how much attendance we get for the games. In fact, I've even, it's something that we'll talk about later in the, in the podcast. I even think it sets the table for some possibilities that we may see similar type of situation next year where we get a better quality product on the floor. One of the problems besides the, China controversy created by Daryl Morey and the problems of financial problems created by the suspension of the season due to coronavirus. One of the problems the NBA had was a lack of, of TV ratings and primarily because of the quality of the matchups. And every professional sport has suffered from this the last few years to a certain extent simply because they've got a watered down product because there are too many teams that are always losing. I mean, who wants to go and see I know during the year when I'd watch games in an 82-game season, there's a lot of games against teams like the Charlotte Hornets and so forth that, that you know, I'll end up watching a movie with my wife and then coming back and replaying parts of the game and fast-forwarding through it. And, and it just doesn't have the intensity that you get when you got a great matchup. Looking at the Lakers' schedule, I mean, my God, we start on July 30th against the Clippers. I mean, what more could you want as, as to a basketball fan that, is looking for competition. And I hear all of the critics yelling, gimmick, gimmick, we don't want to do these gimmicks and so forth. And then I look back at the All-Star game. They they changed the rules of the All-Star game and it was the best damn All-Star game we've seen. That whole idea that you had these great players going out there and playing their hearts out in the fourth quarter of that game was just something sensational to see. It's what you want to see as a fan. And so I'm really excited about the last eight games And I think that the league needs to really think hard next season about how they can increase the quality of the matchups. And there are ways to do that uh, that are done in other professional leagues around the world, that are done in AAU and in college basketball even, where you've got Division I, Division II, three and four, and so forth. But there's something to be said about making sure that the quality of the product that we're selling to the American public, the viewing public, the people, the ratings that drive those big TV contracts, to get the quality of those games up and the quality of those matchups up to really help the league regain a lot of the financial losses that it's going to suffer as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. So I'm looking forward to those eight games. I didn't think I'd be looking forward to the end of the season the way that I am, but it's not just the Lakers games. There's some other just terrific matchups on the the Pelicans versus uh, some of these teams that are fighting for that that last playoff spot is really going to be fascinating. And there's going to be a lot of games that I would probably watch now. And I'm normally a fan that, you know, I, I think as, as, as uh, your life gets more complicated and there are more competition for your, your eyes and, and different things you can do and so forth, and you got all these family obligations, I'm a diehard Yankee fan that can't watch 162 baseball games. 
I'm a diehard Laker fan that probably isn't going to watch 82 games start to finish. There's just too many other things going on in my life and with my family and so forth. But boy, I'm not going to miss the game like a game Lakers against the Clippers or Lakers against the Rockets or or the Mavericks or the Trailblazers. Those are going to be just terrific games to finish off the season. The other side of it is I think that the, a lot of people were sort of complaining because, you know, oh, man, the Lakers got a raw, raw deal here where they got such a tough schedule because you pulled out all of those weak teams and we had a whole handful of them coming in over the next eight games. Well, the truth of the matter is, is I think that this is a benefit for the Lakers. The last thing you want to do is to go into the playoffs not playing your best basketball. And the way, only way, the only way you can get into gear to be playing your best basketball is to be playing against teams that are challenging you. And these teams are, some of these teams are going to have a lot to go for, you know. The Pelicans, the Mavericks, the Trailblazers, they're all going to be coming at the Lakers knowing that they have a chance to get into the playoffs. And they're going to be bringing their best. Not that every team doesn't always seem to bring their best out when it's the LA Lakers that are on the court against them. But I think we're going to see some really hard competitive games. And I expect the Lakers, maybe they'll coast the last two games against the Nuggets and Thunders because it's almost impossible for the Clippers to overtake them. And as you said earlier in, in, in your opening, there's no home court advantage. So all we're really talking about is, is pride and developing momentum as you head into the playoffs. Nobody wants to go into playoffs playing like a dud. And, and I, don't I think, think the Lakers... The Lakers are going to come out of this really full-born storming out to want to end and enter the playoffs winning seven or eight, six or seven or eight of those eight games. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Going after the top spot overall is going to be very difficult and challenging. Yeah. Look at uh, what Milwaukee's going to be doing. And Milwaukee's got such an easier schedule, comparatively speaking. Some of the winners and losers, I mean, obviously the Lakers, if you want to look at that, but have a harder task to go to in this last eight games. By seeing it, they should be able to take enough of them that it shouldn't be a difference. And they sh- there's no way they're going to give up that five and a half game lead. As far yeah, as they go four and they go four and four, yeah. and the Clippers could win all eight, and they're still gonna. Yeah, and then, you know, and, and for the Bucks, the only reason that we would have wanted to overtake the Bucks in the regular season had that had they continued to the eighty-two game schedule, this home court advantage, you know, and that doesn't matter now at all. No, it doesn't. But some of the teams that I think are winners and losers in this, Milwaukee's a winner with an easier schedule. I think Memphis is looking a rather difficult, and you're right. Yeah. If if the if the league in and of itself is trying to slant it towards a, a Zion LeBron matchup, it, it certainly is there in the offering as far as the schedule is concerned. Because Memphis' schedule is looking on paper to be a little bit more difficult than what I see that the Pelicans are doing, uh, but I don't want to underestimate the Kings. And I don't under, want to underestimate the Portland Trailblazers. 
and their road because their road yes portland looks a little bit tougher but then again they're they're at full strength so you know they went to the conference finals last year this is a team that has a lot of pride in, in what you're saying and they could easily go on a hot streak if uh damian lillard has the kind of support that he now may have once they get back to orlando Sure, you know, it, it, the more that we talk about it, the thing that jumps out at me, Gerald, is how good these games are going to be. Uh, and it's going to be strange watching some of them, at, you know, like 11, 11 in the morning or 1 in the afternoon. Um, because I guess they're going to play us. They're going to play these slates of games. And, and uh, is it three arenas? Uh, do you have the details on there? There's three arenas. I believe two of them are going to be set up for national TV, from what I'm understanding. So it looks like something that is going to be very well thought out by the league on that sense. But yeah, I'm, I'm still concerned overall as far as what the impact coronavirus may have over this. I'm hoping that the environment will be controlled enough to where that it will be not a major factor in how the season ends up going forward. I'm hopeful for the health of, and safety of the players, first and foremost, and their families once the first round of the playoffs gets concluded. So that's my first concern is for them and their safety and their health and uh, i think that you're right it looks like more like they're trying to lean towards the pelicans but then again it's actually could have been easier for the pelicans because they had a lot of even uh bad an easy schedule going yeah before they, they, yeah. yeah i mean so what, uh, how long is how long is the uh, eight games how much time is played for the eight games before they finish out the regular season well you're talking about july 30th to around august 14th august 13th in that area so, so like two weeks basically yeah, basically. Two, basically basically a little over two weeks so it looks like it's something going to be something that uh, you know, it's going to take place rather quickly. There is going to be a couple back-to-backs right. in there for some of these teams, so be prepared for that. There is one back-to-back for the Lakers, August 5th and August 6th. So, again, it all depends on mm-hmm. where the Lakers are at in the standings, whether or not they can go into cruise control or not and rest players up for the playoff run, get some other people into the mix, like a Dion Waiters or Markeith Morris, get them more into you know shape, get them into get them some minutes, get them to play with the rest of the team as far as a little bit more so and get more experience working with the team. If they do get J.R. Smith and do bring him on, you know, you want to go ahead and see exactly if they can go ahead and, and how much does he have left in, in the tank and see how much he has left if that's possible. So you want to see if he can contribute on the team if he gets brought on to the team because as of this recording, he's not been officially brought on to the team. So, I, you know, there's a lot of factors that could weigh into it. I'm just yeah, hoping... they got to figure out how to replace Avery Bradley. Yeah, the, and that, that's a big key. That's a big key And that's, going, that's going to be a big key of seeing where those minutes are going to go to. I also think, too, that there's... Uh, Morris is a big factor because of, of just the need to... And it looks like Dwight Howard. I mean, it's kind of strange. The the rules have sort of been twisted around because I we all thought that that there was a deadline. Well, the now it appears. Well, the twenty fourth is the deadline, I guess. Now that for getting another player, because this is that time frame when you can uh, sign another player. But right. actually, the first is when you There's can the, tell the you team turn in your roster. Yeah, so that's when you can tell teams officially whether you're going or staying. 
uh, it just right. The, the the closer you get to the first, right. the the closer you cannot do anything to replace uh, a player with. Right. That, that's the. I key. guess the twenty fourth was a deadline if you were going to opt out for some medical reason or some reason like that. Because it's interesting, Dwight has not announced that he's staying. I think he is, and everybody seems to be under the impression he is. So we'll just have to hope. But I think I think basically. And then also what's kind of strange is the Lakers have not announced that JR is coming. And yes. you hear various other rumors. So there's still a possibility of that happening. And then so I, I agree with you that that the only other motive in those eight games other than getting some momentum going uh, is figuring out exactly how the new guys are going to fit in, who's going to play to replace Bradley's minutes um, and so forth. And you brought up the whole issue of of the coronavirus. And we're seeing, you know, around the nation now, 48 of the 50 states, there's only two states of the 50 states where the coronavirus numbers are declining. And so we've seen an explosion that is that has really sort of undermined a lot of the optimism that the NBA is going to pull off this entire bubble thing. And I think one of the things everybody's got to realize when you think about the bubble is it's not a static bubble, it's a decreasing bubble. You're starting off with 22 teams and you're going to go two weeks. You make it through those two weeks without some major players getting testing positive and so forth. And all of a sudden you're down to 16. You run another two weeks and you're down to eight. So if we get through the month of July, uh, I'm sorry, the month of August, where we're probably down to the elite eight, if you will, uh, I think by then you're talking about having one-third of the number of people in the bubble, which is going to make it a lot easier to control. And if players can at least hold out and make that first 30 days without doing dumb things, then I think you're going to narrow it down to where you've got eight teams where the guys are pretty damn serious that, hey, we're one of the top eight teams left. We have a chance to win a championship. We're not going to go out and do stupid things and risk that. And we're going to, you know, they'll be a lot more motivated to, to stay inside of the bubble and not to make dumb mistakes and not to not to become lackadaisical the way that a good portion of the country, you know, has become so that all of a sudden we're back in this problem. So I think that I think that's something important to look at that uh, while that bubble has is sitting there in the middle of the heart of the pandemic in in Florida, it's going to have an easier job the further we get along in the playoffs. And once we get through August. I'm pretty confident that if nothing happens to deter that situation and undermine the, the, the entire idea and force Adam Silver to do something he doesn't want to do, uh, if we get past that month of August, I think that we're pretty much safe home. It's something to still look at when it concerns the first and who might actually be saying yay or nay go, going to Orlando. One of the things I wanted to ask you is I've noticed that there really has not been that many players that are deciding to stay home as of this recording. Just a right. few players, and there's usually just some type of reasonable contingency. I mean, we saw with Avery Bradley, he's got a great concern for his six-year-old son because of health issues, which is, uh, like I said some before when I was talking to Rafael Barlow of the NBA Draft Junkies, that... Is something very respectable because as someone who has a daughter with uh, a similar condition, uh, you know, I, I, I completely understand. 
Dave, uh, Davis Bertans. He's staying home because he's had two ACL surgeries, and he and he's up for a big contract. He's up for big, the biggest contract. Was, and what was bad is that Evan Fournier, and I was listening to a podcast on this, who currently this year makes more than Davis Bertans has ever made in his career. Go and single him out on Twitter because you know Twitter's the place to do that, and pick on him for his decision. But if you're playing on a team with almost zero chance of getting into the playoffs, and you have this big payday on the horizon for you, I don't blame him at all for that. Yeah. And then you have look at Boogie. That's all you got to do, man. Yeah. And then you have Trevor Reza has some uh, custody issues he has to take care of virtually all these reasons that for these players, which is a very small amount of players that are currently as of this point in time, not going to Orlando, you know, it's just, they're very valid reasons, but I'm just surprised at the, the lack of number of players, which is a good thing for the league, which is a good thing for Mm -hmm. fans. Tell me in your own reasons, why you think that is where all these players that, as you saw just a couple of weeks ago, we're very concerned. There was a lot of tension about going. A lot of these players are still going at, as of this point to Orlando. I think there's two main reasons that I see that. I think the first is that the league has done a good job of really adopting, listening to the players concerns that uh, we're at a transcendental moment in history, especially for black athletes and, and the black lives matter movement. And the league has really embraced doing everything they can to give the players a platform on which they can speak out politically. And I think that I, Danny Green had a great bunch of quotes that were in the, in the news today. And he was talking about the fact that he can understand and appreciate how everybody is concerned about the movement and, and that this is the time to be selfless and, and, and to think about uh, your your fellow players and your your other people in your community who are have been have been basically suppressed for four hundred years, and is that not more important than going out and playing a game of basketball? Well, that's one way of looking at it. But the second way that Green was looking at it is, man, the NBA is doing a terrific job of giving us everything we could ask for, so that we can go on the biggest platform that's going to be around, which is the NBA finals, the NBA playoffs, and we can support it. They're going to even allow us to put what we want on the back of the jerseys instead of the names. There's all of these things. We talked before on one of the earlier episodes about all of the moves that the NBA could make in order to eliminate that objection that players might have a better way of supporting Black Lives Matter by not playing. Well, the NBA has done a good job making sure that they have given the tools to the players to take advantage of all of the media and of the platform that they have with the playoffs and everything. I think that's one big factor why you don't see a lot of players backing out. Well, that's good. The the, the second thing, the second thing is money. It's simple. I mean, it's not only just your salary for the rest of the year. It's also possibly your salary for next year because the CBA gets crushed then everything is up in the air. So I think, you you know, like you've said before, money is the big driver of this whole thing. Uh, you, you can't, you cannot deny that. It's, it's, it's what makes the world go round. And the players realize that too. 
they're investing not only in themselves as players and their own careers, but in the league that has given them the opportunity to make this kind of money. The third thing is these guys are the best 300 basketball players in the world. And they got that way because they have a drive to win. Every one of these guys, I mean, you hear the comments say, so-and-so is buckets. Every one of these guys is buckets. Don't kid yourself. I mean, they're so damn good at their sport and their craft and the effort that they make and the talent that they have. You even see the players now, the eight teams that aren't going to be in this thing, they're lobbying now for the league to set up a second bubble so that they can play. Now, obviously, money is part of that. They want to; Those eight teams want to get to their 70-game limit so they can collect on their own TV contracts, and the players want to get their money. They don't want to miss out on eight, you know, on, on a third of the season's pay, if you will. But there's also that sort of pride that, hey, let, you know, give us a chance to play too, you know? Let's have our own little mini tournament. Everybody's, everybody's coming up with gimmicks and ways to, to get it out there and, to, and have the games go on. Um, and then there's just maybe a fourth factor that the country needs it. We need something. We need sports. When you look at the things that we're missing, you know, they're postponing, they're postponing all of the major movie events until the theaters open again. Um, there's no sports to watch anywhere. We have YouTubed and, you know, gone back on so many different things, and we have discussed ad nauseum everything that you could possibly discuss to keep the conversations going. So the real reality is, is that the country is overdue for sports. And if we're going to be stuck back into another shelter-at-home period, which looks inevitable considering the way that the coronavirus is expanding everywhere that we look, man, it would be great to have some basketball to watch. And so I think that there's a, you know, it's, it's a perfect storm of things and reasons why. And then throw on top of it, only 5% of the players tested positive. And that 5% have more than enough time to recover so that they can play too. So why not? You know, they've got a good plan in place. The NBA, like Dr. Fauci said, has done everything they can with a focus of protecting the players and the coaches and the, and the staffs that are going to be involved in, in resurrecting the season. So let's go for it. And I think that they're going to be successful on it. And I'm looking forward to, you know, I've been doing a lot of binge watching and binge reading and, and so forth. I'm looking for some binge basketball. I could I could easily sit down and watch six hours, seven, eight hours straight of NBA basketball for a whole week, no problem, or two weeks until we finish that eight-game series. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to watch more games in, and I'm going to set my calendar aside, eliminate everything else off the calendar, and just watch basketball. But one of the things that is clearly said by Adam Silver is that if it gets a problematic as far as the coronavirus is concerned, whether it's just to one team or whether it's it starts spreading out over amongst a series of teams, he is said already on record that he's not going to hesitate to put the, the kibosh on the, the rest of the season. He's willing to go ahead and cancel it if it becomes very problematic. And I credit him for that, at least the fact that yes, Right now, as you said in, or what you read in Eric Pincus's article about, it's they're playing for the money, and that's a great part of this. But still, Adam Silver has said that he's not going to risk the player's safety and health to the point where it gets too problematic. I mean, 
if you know there's going to be a point in time if the coronavirus spreads throughout this bubble that he's just going to have to call it a day well you hope that you know uh sometimes it gets kind of scary when you think about the fact of how many people in in the white house <laughs> and that which we expect to be the most protected bubble that we have around how many people how close that got to the president and vice president but i think there's some i think we learned a lot of lessons about that situation and and as I said before, I think that as the bubble decreases, as the number of teams reduces as you go through the playoffs, then your chances of continuing to increase. So August is going to be a tough month. August is probably going to very well see some of the highest number of case counts that we've ever seen. And I give Adam Silver credit for being able to pull the plug. He's not going to pull a, he's not going to pull a Donald Trump, if you will. Um, if things get bad enough that he has to do something, he's going to do something. I wish our president would at least put a mask on and be a leader and, and show people that he really cares about things rather than politicizing. We're the only country in the entire world that has politicized the coronavirus. Well, let's not um, politicize this podcast anymore. <laughs> gonna fair go ahead. Stay on the Lakers. So stay focused on the Lakers. And one of the things I want to talk about is, okay, you seem to pretty much have it as a done deal that the Lakers are going to have a first-round matchup with Pelicans, and so many others are. I mean, so many others are pointing out to a Zion-LeBron matchup in the first round just the way, just because of the way that the schedules are set out for the rest of the season. The Pelican, the Pelican. That's probably just because I think the Pelicans are an awfully good team. They are. I, I still think they have some holes, but I, yeah. I still think that they have a lot of talent. I don't know if all those pieces fit 100%, but they have like a lot, a lot, a lot of talent. And that's something that is going to have to be remedied, I think, over the next couple of years so that the, the Pelicans can even go to a notch higher is what pieces fit around Zion and what pieces do not fit as well, even though they may be very talented. You're going to have to sort those things out. But I will say that, Let's, for all intents and purposes, say that the Lakers do have a matchup against the Pelicans. What, before we even get there, what what is the remind me again? What these? How close do they have to be in order to have a playoff? The uh, I believe the it's four games. I believe it's four games. I and thought it was they, two, but it, it's three actually and a four. Half, how, where are they now? Three and a half back. Them, the Portland Trailblazers, and the Sacramento Kings are all three and a half right now. So it's whichever team is closest, as long as it's within four, yes. gets to have that two game. They got to beat them twice, where they can yes. lose only once. Yes. So it's interesting because it could be, you know, maybe we'd have a turn of events where it's possible that the Portland Trailblazers could be number eight, and the Pelicans could be number nine, and Memphis slid out of that situation. And it could also be very possible well, the that the Pelicans could be number eight and have a chance to only have to beat somebody twice. I'm still thinking that Memphis is going to be the eighth seed because uh, I, I mean Portland is it's got my uh, money. If any team's going to slide in there, to be honest with you, I think they're a little bit more. I, I think they will be a little bit more ready to go ahead and, and make a push than the Pelicans will. But I still think that the advantage is really, really much in favor of Memphis because remember, you also again. Three, three and a half games is a yeah. nice lead. Yeah. For, You're only playing eight games. Yeah, the Pelicans, the the Kings, and the Trailblazers all have to play extremely well. 
plus the Grizzlies have to lose a lot in that eight game stretch. Yep. Plus would also have to lose two straight in the you know playing games just to match up against whoever is leading the West, which we are pretty much at this time going to say it's the Lakers. Yep. So that's that's a tall task, my friend. That's a tall task. But okay, let's humor let's, you. Let's, let's look at that series, though. There's a, what's a, there's an interesting aspect about, let's say the Grizzlies are number eight, and the Pelicans move up to number nine. And they have their little, you know, two or two or one game, the little play-in tournament there. Let's, let's, I'll humor you. Let's, let's go with the Pelicans. Let's go with the right. Pelicans. So, um, I, do you think that you got really... John Morant, John Morant there uh, is a very underrated player as far as I'm concerned. And uh, his the, the best defender on him in Avery Bradley is not there. I get that. I get that. But, it, but I, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting situation because I, I, I do think also that the Grizzlies are, everybody has sort of assumed that the Grizzlies aren't going to make it. Simply because they expect the Pelicans or the or the or the Blazers to to overtake them, because in a long in a long full season, your expectation would not have been for Memphis to have been able to hang around and hold uh, hold on to a playoff situation. So that'll be interesting to see because you'll you'll have you'll have Zion. You know, if Zion Zion has an opportunity in eight games to become the first rookie of the year to win to play the fewest number of games, not going to win. Gonna win it. John Morant is too far ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No matter how many mm-hmm. TV games he gets, sorry. John Morant is just too far ahead. But it, a matchup against but the Pelicans. Head, head to matchup could be interesting. <laughs> well, you're, you're missing one thing when it concerns this matchup against the Pelicans, and that is AD. AD, after the way he left New Orleans, and I'm going to say this, he is not going to go ahead and lose face over this. He will not allow Pelicans to win that series. It, besides, I don't think Zion is ready to go ahead and match up defensively against him. And I think that would be a problem for him. The Lakers can throw enough size to at least slow down Zion a little mm-hmm. bit, but there's nobody to match up against AD. AD has had his way, in almost, I think, in every game this year against New Orleans. And I don't see anything different in a matchup against. Them. Oh, okay, so so we're moving we're moving we're moving on to the Pelicans and Lakers then, right? Well, I still think it's going to be the Grizzlies, but I said I'm humoring you. I'm humoring okay. you. The okay, so let's say if it's I, I tend to agree with you 100. percent I think that, uh, in fact, I think I actually think that the Lakers would probably prefer to pay the Pelicans than any of the other six teams that are going to make the playoffs in the West. The Pelicans is, even though everybody talks about how, how threatening they could be with all of that young talent and, and, and with Zion, you know, peaking and, and showing that he deserves rookie of the year and so forth. It still comes down to the fact that the Lakers have two superstars, two superstars who I think are going to be, we're going to see a version of, Playoff LeBron and playoff Anthony that are going to be enough to carry the Lakers through. I don't think the Lakers are even going to have, I don't even think they're going to go to a seventh game in any of the series to win the championship this year, assuming everybody's healthy and, and, and the coronavirus doesn't derail the entire bubble. 
So I'm not worried about the Pelicans. I think they'll take the Pelicans in five. I think they'll take the Grizzlies in five, maybe four. Well, I I think that of the matchups, it would be Portland that would be the most problematic for the Lakers. Portland would be the toughest of the three matchups simply because simply because <laughs> simply because they got a great guard who is ultimately confident and has shown that he can do it against the Lakers. Yes, that's um, that, that would be the one that would name name something to one scary dude on the court, man. Yeah. But the Lakers have shown that they can handle the Portland Trailblazers, but vice right. versa. I mean. I mean, in the the Kobe Memorial game that they had, he went off and yep. was the main reason why that they beat the Lakers. So it's going to be interesting to see as we get closer, and especially getting into those games, the eight games that are going to be played, exactly how that's going to work itself out. But I'm still thinking that the Grizzlies have a little bit uh, too much of a cushion, and there's yeah, too that much cushion work. counts. The, the... I mean, you're talking. I didn't even don't even know you. The other thing is, I haven't even looked at the fact that the uh, what's different about what's different about the the finish for the rankings of who's going to play eighth and ninth and so forth is they're going on percentages. They're not going on games behind and so forth. So it's the win for it's a win loss percentage, which I haven't looked at myself to see who has the advantage on that. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule, but I mean, you got you've got some teams that are. Pretty close in there, you know. Portland is, okay, so it's four games in the loss column. The Grizzlies are really ahead four games in the loss column over the Trailblazers and just three games in the loss column over the Pelicans. So the Trailblazers really rank number ninth right now on percentage basis. So it's going to be And then the Kings right after that. And the Kings right after that, yeah. But boy, that, you know, um, I have to say, you know, I, Earlier in the year when we had our various conversations about the, all of the talk about a play-in tournament and so forth, I, I was basically always against the play-in tournament. But I have to admit now that looking at, at the way that they've structured it, uh, it, it could be pretty exciting. And, I, and obviously, I don't think in a regular season that, uh, you know, I, I, we're seeing a lot of things that could become templates for how next season could go. Because the league is going to want to have better matchups, especially on the TV contracts and so forth. Because all of a sudden, revenue from you can't have drops in TV ratings if you're not going to have fans in the stands. You got to make that money up somewhere, and so you got to find a way to really get get the eyes around the world watching every game. And the big criteria for that is you just can't have any dud matchups. And no. we had a lot of we had a lot of them on ABC and 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 tnt and so forth this last year um so that's you know it'll be very interesting to see and i mean you got to figure that the the tv ratings are going to be sky high just because we haven't had basketball to watch you know at least early on at least early on the the kings versus the grizzlies could be the you know number one game of the year if you know if it was compared to the earlier in the season they could rival they could rival the lakers and the bucks and the lakers and the clippers games um, at least you would expect them to be in the Lakers and Clippers games. Uh, that first Laker and Clipper game, that first game, I mean, if that is not the highest ranked game in the history of regular season NBA, counting this as part of the regular season. As far as ratings are concerned. Yeah. If that's not the highest rating game ever, I will eat this podcast. 
<laughs> it's an impossibility. There are going to be so many eyes on that game. Okay. Well, we're, I might have to hold you to that as far as uh, eating this podcast is concerned. But okay. Uh, we'll make sure we'll cook uh, it into something nice maybe for you. But again, I think it's going to be very highly rated. I agree with you on that. Whether it's going to be the all-time highest rated regular season game, we'll have to wait and see. But there is that great possibility that's there. Remember, there'll be other sports that Not are going up demand out there. Well, I mean, if baseball gets its act together, baseball is supposed to be actually starting right around that time as well. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's going to be all the stuff that's going on right around that time at the end of July. Uh, movies are not going to be one of them, it looks like, because movies are getting pushed back. Major movies like Tenet, Mulan, yeah. they're all being delayed into August, so that's not going to be a distraction. But yeah, it's going to be something that's very, very interesting to see how this is laid out. Uh, just just amazing to see how this is going to be you know, thought out by the league and how they're going to go ahead and carry and pull this off. I'm still somewhat skeptical to a point on on the success of this because this coronavirus has been a hard thing to go ahead and achieve as far as it's concerned. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it with great anticipation. And I know a lot of fans are as well. And I'm hopeful that the, 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 all the eyes of the fans out there around the world will be on the Lakers and the Clippers come July 30th. I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of other people as well. And it's just something that I know that a lot of people are very excited about. And I'm hopeful that you won't have to go ahead and eat the podcast. Me too. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Before we head on out, my friend, I want to go ahead and cover some things that you talked about. I mean, I know you had some recent articles on Medium.com, so if you want to go ahead and share everybody what's been going on there, and then we'll lead that into what's upcoming up to date for everything that's going on at Lakerholics.net as well. Well, it's been, uh, it's been really an interesting time. There's a, uh, we're finally now starting to see traffic get back. People are, are starting to get interested. And a lot of guys who, who took vacation for, uh, from blogging every day with us are, are back on the site and, and chiming in. So I wrote an article uh, on Medium and uh, for Lakerholics of how NBA season restart plan could suggest a blueprint for future seasons. And I've alluded to that a couple of times. And it, the real trigger for the article was, was my looking over the Lakers schedule. When you, when you eliminated all of those teams with losing records, those eight losing teams, all of a sudden the quality of the matchups really became so much better. And I started thinking, well, the league has wanted to, to create is wanted to split the season into two, you know, with this mid-season tournament and talking about different ways of getting revenue and 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 also trying to address that that problem that we both talked about several times, which is that the the TV ratings were were down this year. And and we've had that's after after you know a decade of rising ratings, all of a sudden it was like the league wasn't developing the the kind of interest that it had been used to. 
And so I started thinking about different schemes and, and, uh, and basically became enthralled with some of the things that the league was experimenting with in, in this particular season restart plan. Um, and, and there are several factors, one being limiting the number of dropping out eight teams so that you, you have only 22 teams playing in the last eight games, which ends up really upgrading the attractiveness of every one of those matchups dramatically. Secondly, there's the play-in tournament, which uh, all of a sudden, you know, adds another wrinkle that we haven't had in the past. It's, it's sort of like putting the wild card game did to baseball. Um, and I think that's a big factor in there. Um, and so I started looking at, at, at things like the way that some of the European soccer leagues actually have two levels where teams can promote themselves if they win up to the higher level. And, and if you don't do well, you'll get demoted down to the lower level. And I came up with this scheme of uh, that sort of is a way that the NBA could take the experience that they're getting from the season restart plan that they're implementing now into dramatically changing how the season works. And for example, they could divide the season in half with 30 teams playing each other in the first half, and then a mid-season tournament determining 16 teams that would be in an A division for the second half of the season and 14 B teams that would play against each other in the second half of the season. And then you could do it by giving the top five teams in each conference a bye. That would leave six teams in each conference. Those six teams in each conference could then play across against each other with the idea being that it's a one series, one seven game series and whoever loses goes into the B league and whoever wins stays in the A league. And then the second half of the season, you'd have the 16 best teams playing each other for 41 games. So you would really have great matchups as you finish the season. The B teams, on the other hand, would be playing teams that are sort of equal to each other, and they would have a better chance to have a winning record the second half of the season. And you could then even set it up where the top two teams in the B League would end up in a play-in tournament against the bottom two teams in the A League so that they'd have a chance to promote themselves and to get into the regular playoffs. And it's just one idea of uh, that the league could do. And I think we're going to see a lot of things like this being considered. Um, while everybody, while there's some fans who've responded on Lakerholics as looking at it as a gimmick, and it is a gimmick. It's, it's a gimmick the way that the wild card game is a gimmick. It's a gimmick the way that the, the fourth quarter of the all-star game was a gimmick and so forth. But what it does is it, it increases the quality of the product that the NBA is presenting to its fans. And it, it involves everybody with a chance to make the playoffs. You have more teams involved and, and, and just a lot more action. You all of a sudden have a midseason tournament that has meaning uh, so that you can really take a pause and, and really have, uh, have a lot of action that, that you wouldn't normally have. Um, so I think that there's a lot of the, the, my whole purpose for writing the article was basically just to get people starting to think about what are the different options a league could do to make it better. And I, I really like the whole idea of a league that is split in half where the first half determines who the A and B teams are. And the second half then gives you upgraded quality for the top 16 teams to play each other. So that when you get to the playoffs, you really have, you know, everybody's going to do great in the playoffs. The playoffs have always been it for the NBA. But that 82-game season has gotten longer, it seems, and drearier. And 
a lot of it. The first part of it hasn't been very interesting because you're up against NFL football. And the second half of it has ended up with a lot of tanking teams and so forth. And I think the two-tier approach toward restructuring the second half of the season uh, makes a lot of sense. So it's a fun article. It's on medium.com under Laker Tom. And uh, if you want to join in the conversation on Lakerholics.net, we've had a host of people chiming in on what their opinions are from a great idea to a crazy gimmick that nobody's ever even considered. So anyway, uh, it's something that we've had a lot of fun with. There's a lot of other topics going on on the site. So I invite everybody to come in and, and join in the conversation. Uh, if you're an informed fan who cares about basketball and is passionate about the Lakers, it's the perfect place to have some online conversations. Gee, what are the chances you would throw something crazy out there? Mm, <laughs> they must be very long. Mm, I'm also being very facetious. Mm. Crazy Tom is at it once again, and you can find out what he's doing today at Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. And I'll tell you what, though, Tom, it, it's funny because I'm seeing the feedback on Lakerholics.net and all the stuff that you know is being said from your Crazy Tom to okay. I kind of agree with you on this, but there's a lot of other things that are being talked about, including J.R. Smith becoming a member of the Lakers. And this has also become a very divisive hot button issue on Lakerholics.net. So I want to hear your thoughts from the feedback that you're getting on J.R. Are people digging it or are people not so digging it? Because I'm seeing a mixture of both. Well, who would have thought at the start of the season that we would be talking about going into the playoffs and the Lakers would possibly have Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, <laughs> along with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, you know, Shaqton Fool's number one star. I tell you, the, uh, the thing I think that everybody sort of feels like about this team right now is that when you have a team coached by Frank Vogel and the quality of coaches that he has surrounding him, and led by two superstars like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are all about business, and a, a roster full of guys that have probably, arguably, the best chemistry in the league. I don't think anybody's really worried about what J.R. Smith could impact all of that, all of that seniority, maturity, uh, and team-first approach. I don't think they're worried about Deion Waiters or J.R. Smith being anything to upset the apple cart. And then the other thing I think that a lot of people are are not worried about Avery Bradley is because we've got, you know, I, everybody keeps talking about how the, I hear all the time how the Clippers supposedly have more depth than the Lakers, and I don't understand that at all. Because in the front court and the back court, the Lakers are stronger and deeper than the Clippers are. The Clippers have a better wing situation because they've got two great wings in PG and Kawhi. But when you look at the depth the Lakers have at the guard position and the depth that they have in the front court at the center and four, power forward position, I'm not at all worried about, you know, Avery Bradley. Uh, we're going to miss his shooting and he's been hot. He's been red hot the second half of the season, but we got Alex Caruso and I think Caruso uh, and, and KCP are the two guys who are going to step in and take a lot of those minutes. And then I think also, you know, uh, 
they can up Danny Green's minutes a little bit, and I think it'll give waiters it'll give waiters and Jr. a chance to find the spots and the matchups that make sense for the Lakers to insert them. And either one of them are the kind of guys who can come in there and, and all of a sudden give you a 20-point game. So it's next man up as far as the Lakers are concerned with Avery Bradley. And I think that nobody's worried at all about the Lakers' chemistry or determination to win being at all affected by any crazy antics that, that uh, Dion or JR could concoct. And once again, you can be part of that conversation to share your thoughts on Dion Waiters. J.R. Smith, and any one of the Lakers that you choose. You can be part of that conversation and share your thoughts today with other great Laker fans at Lakerholics.net. If you have any questions for us, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com or just reach out on us on the Twitter at LakersFastBreak or you can reach out to Tom. No, he's not at CrazyTom. He's actually at LakerTom. Tell him exactly how you feel about his medium.com article on the season also share your thoughts on the lakers season the lakers schedule that's always something great for people to talk about in fact they're talking about it right now at lakerholics.net so check out all the great things you got there going on today at lakerholics.net if you're into pop culture we're on our 200th episode of the pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture so check that out on the pop culture cosmos channel 200 episodes. We just truly appreciate it. Plus, we're on Radio Worldwide. I also want to thank for the Lakers Fast Break, the RTF Sports Network, and the Discover Community Network for playing our shows, including, like I said, RTF Sports Network that plays us not once, not twice, but three times a week now. So we truly appreciate them playing our shows every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Check out them at rtfsportsnetwork.com or the great people at Discover Community Network. We're almost up to 100 episodes myself, you know, right here on the Lakers Fast Break. So I'll just say this. I'll just leave it on this note. It's funny because the other day uh, I was uh, I was fast asleep and I was uh, actually had the, you know, those dreams that you have when you can't control them and they just happen. I dreamed I was playing five on five like I used to play all the time, five on five uh, on one of the hard courts. And one of my teammates was Laker Tom. (laughs) <laughs> and we, even though we won five games in a row, I just couldn't make him happy. I'm a guy that just passed the ball. I love passing the ball. I love defending. I love making the plays and all that. But you know what? At the end of my dream, I had Laker Tom in my face chewing me out because I didn't shoot the ball. Hmm. Well, if you don't shoot, you can't make a basket, Gerald. Well, I was hitting layups, but you know, you wanted me to pump it out from outside. Instead, I was just dishing it off to analytics, to, baby, analytics. You know, you know, you were you were taking all the shots. I remember. So that's all I remember. I just, you know, uh, I've had that happen in my life. There you, there you go. There you go. Never put us on the court at the same time. But my friend, it's been great talking to you once again. It's Laker Tom. Got to go ahead and be part of the conversation where he's at at Lakerholics.net. Check out his great articles today at Medium.com. And once again, let's continue to look at what we're doing here at the Lakers Fast Break. You can follow us on Lakers Fast Break on Facebook, Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. Check out our great shows that we've had with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, Stone Hansen from DraftSide.com, Michael Weisenberg from Perspective Insight and The Step In. Had some great episodes. I'm hoping to have a lot more coming up in the near future right here 
at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.